0: Welcome to Episode 3 of the Brinkman Podcast, the podcast where we talk about the audio drama, The Brinkman Adventures. We learn a little bit more about the missionaries and the stories behind them. We learn a little bit more about some of the cast and the crew and how it all came together. I'm Eric Schilder, and, and with me, as, as always, as far as we can say for three episodes, is Sarah Boltman, who, in addition aunt to being Sarah. one of the writers, writers <laughs> is, is, I think we decided it's Aunt Aunt Sarah. Aunt Sarah and uh, and Ian Boltman, the the kind of founder and driving force behind the the Brinkman Adventures, is with us. And uh, today uh, is going to be a really special episode because we're going to be talking about season four. One of the episodes in uh, specific is the crisis in the Congo, and we're going to be talking about the the story of uh, Glenn Chapman. Uh, we're going to have Josh go ahead and run. Uh, we have uh, Ian's son, Engineer Josh, yeah. We're going to have him him play a quick clip from uh, Crisis in the Congo.
1: Well, what do we do with the chickens? Well, let's tie them to our bikes. Uh, by their heads or by their feet? <laughs> oh, I feel like a tax collector carrying all these chickens. Whoa. <laughs> they
0: don't seem to be enjoying themselves.
1: We have a river here we'll need to cross. How do we do that? Normally there are guys with little boats. Uh, they charge a small fee. What if no one's there? Then we wait. Oh, we're in luck, though. There's our man over yonder. Good afternoon.
2: Good job, man.
1: Hello, Moses. I love this guy. Is your boat running? Yes. Kickstarting a boat? Moses made this boat. It is true. I bought a scooter and used the model to power the canoe. <laughs>
3: Ingenious. Can we all fit in there with our bikes?
1: Easily done, young lady. Would you take us across and back again for the price of four chickens? We will return in two days. It's a deal. Let's go! It's more like a lake than a river. Look to the other side. See the sand cliffs? Yeah. Our trail continues over them.
3: Um, guys? What's that? Strange.
1: The water's bulging behind us it looks kind of like our wake but we're being followed oh. by a hippo oh, i haven't seen one here in years it is after us this is very dangerous hold on dad it's headed out of the water that thing is gaining on us how can it swim that fast not swimming it's running on the bottom they can run up to 30 miles per hour on land moses you cannot let him catch us go faster faster, faster. I just wonder what Jack, he's saying. Give me here. that pole! Quickly! He's going to get us, Dad! Okay, if we flip, swim for shore. Do you understand? With all you've got. Okay. Okay, grab that other pole now. We'll both hit it in the head. Yeah, wait till it gets close enough. It's a little closer. Yeah. Wait.
0: <laughs> Thanks. That's an exciting <laughs> bit uh, there. And I noticed we've got a theme going. Last time it was uh, pigs and children. Mm-hmm. This time it's chickens, hippos. And we love our children. animals. It, in the it, brink exactly, yeah. and and with us, uh, this is fantastic. Is Glenn Chapman?
2: <laughs> He's the real Glenn Chapman. Is, be
0: a Skype, the real Glenn Chapman. Glenn, thank you for
2: joining us. Oh, it's a privilege to be here with you in in virtual reality.
3: Well, we're so we're so glad you could join us. I mean, having listened to this story over and over again, and helped write it and everything, I I have just been so impressed with. The, the ministry that God has given you and, and your guys' heart down there. So we're just super honored to have you with us.
2: Thank you. It's good to be in the Brinkman's Village. <laughs> <laughs> That's right.
3: That's right. Well, I, I um, have lived in Africa just a teeny bit, you know, compared to how long you guys have been there. I lived uh-huh. there about a year and a half or so. Um, and as we were reading your blogs, studying up on you, basically, and your, your ministry and your story, I was just really impressed with the way that you would dial yourself back basically and just spend time with the people and allow yourself um, to go slow in order to really meet with them. So I thought it'd be fun to talk about that because that's really the heart of that episode. You know, I don't know however many of you have heard this, but Kate the whole time is just, I got sh- got a blog about showing the Jesus films. So she's pushing Glenn and, and she keeps making the group miss really great opportunities. Um, and actually the reason we did that was because we saw that was such a, a a beautiful thing about you, Glenn, is that you would stop for people. And we thought, I think that's something people deal with today. You know? you know,
2: you mentioned that I fly around the villages. You know, that's a fun way to get around and it's it's useful. But my favorite way of getting around is by bicycle. See, I don't have a car out there. I don't have a, a four-wheel drive vehicle. I don't have a motorcycle. But I have a bicycle, and that's just the funnest way to get around because you are with the people. You arrive in the villages, and you're going slow enough so you can greet the people, and if there's something going on, if they have a question, you can stop. Whereas if you're on a motorcycle, you just go by and you leave them in the dust and you don't know what they're saying about you, or you go by in a truck and you're going by Mm -hmm. fast so that people don't jump on and get a heavier load that you can't <laughs> take through the mud and and the sand and all that and so my my favorite way is just by bicycle because that puts you with the people on the same level hmm. uh, as they're at and then you stop and they give you a drink or they <laughs> give you a cola nut or they know you're tired they give you something to eat and That's and it's so just cool. it's a way of relating closely to the people
3: that really impressed me uh-huh. the way that you go about things uh-huh. Yeah. Can, you, can we go back a little bit? Can you tell us where, where are you in the Congo? And even before then, where did, where did you grow up? Tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: My parents were missionaries. So I arrived in Congo when I was uh, one years old. Hmm. This was before the country had gotten its independence, back when it was still Belgian Congo. And then I was homeschooled in my younger grades and then okay. went to a hostel for missionary kids in high school and uh, graduated from an American school with other missionary kids. And uh, while I was in high school, people advised me that I should go into ministry and should go back and be a missionary. But Hmm. I really didn't have the call uh, to to ministry at the time. I wanted to know. I wasn't sure of my calling. So I started out college, and I was kind of discouraged and didn't know where I was headed and didn't have a call. So I dropped out of college and went to the Army. the U.S. Army. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> and uh, it was while I was in the Army that I really felt the call to missions.
3: Hmm.
2: And uh, so I got out on the GI Bill and went to seminary. Uh, and I was just gung-ho for missions after my Army days. And so I've been a missionary now for 30 years, since uh, since 86, wow. um, in, the, in the same place that I grew up in, in uh, what is now Democratic Republic of Congo. It's gone through several names from the Belgian Congo to the Congo to Zaire, and now it's back to a Democratic Republic of Congo.
3: Wow. So you must have seen a lot of change in that place over the years.
2: (laughs) Well, uh, in some ways we've seen a lot of change, but uh, in some ways... the the United States changes a whole lot faster than, Hmm. than the Congo does. It's, it's, it's in a lot, in a lot of ways it hasn't changed at all over the the 50 years that we've been there. Uh, just because technology isn't there like, uh, like here in America and the the cultural, the cultural changes aren't there as fast Hmm. aren't moving as fast as they are, say here in America. Um,
0: you mean you don't have kids running around with little fidget spinners made out of palm trees and <laughs> and and so forth?
3: Well, <laughs> you know, cell phones. <laughs> you could
0: bring it. You could start a fad there, really. And they're, they're going to the, think you're wonderful. The
2: toys, the toys that we grew up making out of the forest is the same toys that the kids are making nowadays out of the forest. So, yeah. that in, that, so in that way, it doesn't change. That's
3: so fun. Um, one thing that was interesting about this episode, too, is we focused on um, kind of, that. well, you had mentioned the technology and what you're doing down there with helping guys learn a trade. Um, can you talk about that a little bit?
2: Well, there's so much unemployment in Congo. Most of the people are hunters and gatherers. They make a living just by what they can get out of the forest. And uh, we've been watching the resources go to other countries. Uh like the mineral mineral wealth gets exported to China or the U.S. or Europe or whatever. You see logs going down the road, going to, uh, going to the port and to go to other countries. And so I said, why can't we benefit from our own resources? And so churches helped us get a lumber mill, a portable lumber mill. And so we were able to produce lumber so people can take advantage of of their own resources, their own lumber. And so you can train people to become carpenters and, <laughs> and boat builders. That's and, uh, and we could help out the infrastructure, build bridges, and things like that. So that's one way that we took advantage of um, of the natural resources to help train people in, in, in trades that they could learn right there. Another thing that we're doing is we're introducing some agricultural things like uh, beekeeping, Uh, Normally, people just burn out the the beehives, but we told them, no, in our country, people actually raise bees. (laughs) And so we uh, got some bee suits, and we learned how to capture a swarm and to find the queen and to build a bee box. And, you know, they talk about the killer African bees. Hmm. They aren't exaggerating at all when they're talking about (laughs) killer bees. Oh, these are the meanest bees (laughs) you will ever (laughs) come across. You, if you, you work mean? the bees, oh man, they will kill you. <laughs> and uh, if you get them upset in the middle of the day, no one can go in that forest where the bees are. They they're <laughs> upset and they chase everybody out of the forest. Oh, how funny. So when we harvest honey, when we work the bees, we have to wait till about five o'clock, about dusk, when the bees are getting ready to 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 go into their hives and go to sleep. You work them right before dusk so that uh, they go back in the nighttime. And, and not during the heat of the day when they chase everybody out of the forest.
0: <laughs> so so uh, bees versus hippos, who would win in that uh, in that particular I engagement?
2: You, uh, I tell you what, we, one time uh, we got uh, harassed by the bees along the edge of the river, and we jumped in the river, hippos or crocodiles or not. No. We were getting away from the bees, man. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Tell us about the hippo. I mean, when before I went to Africa, I thought hippos were cute and cuddly and really sweet. Is that true that they're really dangerous and all that? I mean, that's what is in the episode. So Hippos
2: are extremely dangerous. Uh, hippos will be under the water and you don't know that uh, you're going over them. Uh, they'll come up and they'll knock you out of the boat. They aren't carnivorous, but they're just protective of their territory and especially of their young. Uh, so you have to be really careful. Uh, being in areas where there, where there are hippos. They're um, kind of like big bees. Great. Kind of like bees. big bees. Big, yeah. big
0: gray bees. And yeah. so, you know, let's, um, what I wanted to ask a little bit more was the, when you, you, you set up your, you, you're showing the Jesus movie. Uh, uh-huh. That's, that's one of the things that you do there. And yeah. uh, we, we have some friends that are doing something kind of similar. Um. That that they're showing the Jesus movie, and I always kind of picture this sort of like you know jung- jungly area with a sheet draped between two trees, and everyone sitting on old crates or something, or just on the on the ground. And um, you know, one of my questions to them always is, uh, are are the people that you're showing it to do they do they understand it? Are they they're not terribly wowed by the technology of seeing the movie? Maybe. But uh, are, can can they grasp that? Um, you know, in is it translated or is it still in English?
2: The Campus Crusade Jesus film has been translated into over a hundred languages, and Campus Crusade is really good about finding people who speak the native language. They don't use missionaries who have learned the language as. Mm as a second language, but they okay. use people who know the language as a first, as a first, uh, language. Uh, and so the people get really excited about hearing the Jesus film or hearing Jesus talk in their own language. And you have to do a disclaimer before you show the movie and say that, well, this is just a play. Um, uh, this isn't really Jesus that you're seeing. And, and And it's really natives who are talking and and the others are doing just a, a theater. We call it a, a theater, a theater uh, doing doing a play, because they think that they're actually watching Jesus. Um, and there there's some other issues uh, because we're in Africa, the Jesus film, uh, they used a Caucasian person to play the Jesus role. And so that, that plays into some of the things that we're trying to go against is that Jesus is for all people and not just for the, the Caucasian race. Oh, yeah. but, but it excites them to hear Jesus talking in, in their language. And back to the setting of the Jesus film, any village that we go to is going to have a soccer field.
0: Ah, Okay.
2: <laughs> we, we target yeah. villages where there's a church and where there's a school. And so there's going to be a soccer field. And so I travel with a king-size sheet. And so when we get to the village, I ask the people to find me four poles, two poles to go up vertically, bigger poles, and then two poles to go horizontally. And so we drape the sheet on these four poles and stick it in the ground. And then the whole soccer field will be full, full of people. They'll bring their mats and everybody will sit down on the ground uh, with their families or with their friends. Uh, how many people
3: would you say come normally? I've had thousands. Wow. You go into places and
2: you, you draw such a crowd. When you, when you make an announcement beforehand that on such and such a date, there's going to be a movie. Villages all around come because there is no TV we're we're in an area where you don't have uh, satellite dishes and people don't get TV, and uh, and in some villages it's the the first time that people have ever seen a motion picture. Mm-hmm. And wow. so the kids the kids have asked me, how do you make those people run around on that sheet up there? You know, <laughs> they, it was like magic magic to them.
0: So they are so pretty I, enamored of of
2: they're just really enamored by it. Um, I, I don't do generally an altar call. At the end of the, the Jesus film, they go through and and help people pray the prayer to accept Jesus. Uh, and so I let, I let the film do the do the altar call in their mm. own uh, indigenous language. And then I tell them if you have, uh, more questions. If you want to see a pastor, there's a pastor here in the village. There's a pastor at the next village. I'm here another night. Come and see me mm-hmm. with your questions. Uh, come and come and talk to us. Um, so, so we don't put any high pressure on them. Mm-hmm. I don't take names and numbers mm-hmm. uh, like an evangelistic uh, campaign, but uh, we expose them to to the gospel and give them the opportunity. Uh, to to follow, to become God followers uh, or not, I, I think the biggest impression that people have is to hear Jesus talk in their mother tongue and to come to the understanding that they can pray in their mother tongue. Hmm. Some religions tell them that they can only pray in such and such a prophet's uh, language hmm. uh, and that there is a holy language that they need to learn in order to talk to God. but but the Jesus film shows them that, that they can they can talk to God in their own mother tongue, which is close to close to their hearts. Uh, and and they, they'll tell me that, oh, all these stories that we've been hearing in church that we've heard pastors teach upon, we get to see it for ourselves. And we get to see Jesus and the disciples and Mary and all those adventures that they have. And it just becomes a, a part of their, uh, of their conversation uh, as they go about their daily activities, as they recount uh, the, the next day, next few days, they recount what they, what they saw. Because the next day I'll go through the village and I'll talk to the kids and ask them what they saw, uh, what impressed them which is always fun to get that, get that feedback. Yeah,
0: and, and kids are so honest that way too.
2: Yeah. And what I often do is I'll take a video camera and, and walk around the village and film the, beforehand in the afternoon. And then get together, I project uh, what, what we've seen in the afternoon and they can all, be, they can all laugh at each other and watch themselves uh, around the village preparing meals and all that. What it's, a great idea. It's just, it's just a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, I film choirs, you know, I film choirs mm. singing and then I project it and they think that they're rock stars, you yeah. know, or film a soccer game, film wow. a soccer game and they can watch themselves play soccer again as a, as a, uh, you know, replay. It, it's just, it's just amazing uh, what audiovisual does, not just the Jesus film, but, but we can do so much with uh, education, uh, healthcare, HIV, AIDS, uh, awareness, uh, conservation issues. Audiovisual is just an amazing tool in that in that rural area for for a lot of things for education and evangelism
3: That is amazing. It seems like you found uh, you know you're using something that really draws people and so it's like okay this is a way to communicate to a bunch of people at once and that's really and neat
2: es- especially when I fly into a village then they get a double header they get an air show with me going landing in the, <laughs> on their soccer field and then a movie in the evening. I mean wow. what what could be more exciting? Can you just talk a minute about flying in that little contraption? Yeah. So, it's a uh, a three-wheel cart uh that has a 65 horsepower engine on it, two seats, and, and uh, the wing is actually a parachute. So the 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 parachute becomes the wing. Um uh, I To start off with, I put the parachute back behind the machine, and uh, when I go to power, the parachute comes up and gets stable above me, uh, and that becomes the wing. And then I just uh, apply more power, and uh, at 26 miles an hour, mm-hmm. uh, I can take off then. It doesn't go very fast, uh, which is kind of nice. And and so you're just like on a little pendulum. The cart is a pendulum underneath this parachute, and I only ha- really have two controls. I've got acceleration, more, more acceleration and I go up, less acceleration I go down. And then I've got, uh, I pull on ropes that are attached to the trailing edge of the parachute to apply drag on either the left or the right, and that's what causes steering. And so with those two controls, I can fly all over the countryside. And uh, all I need is 100 yards to land and take off on. So I will have pre-arranged with the village and they will have uh, uh, cleared their soccer field, make sure that there aren't excessive weeds on there. And uh, hopefully I've been to the village by bicycle beforehand and checked it out and make sure that there aren't a lot of trees uh, that are blocking uh, my, my approach. And, uh, and then I'd land in a village and, uh, and be there for a while to project or have church or meetings or whatever. And then uh, when I'm ready to go, we have to watch the weather. Uh, this kind of machine, it's really sensitive to, uh, to the weather. I can't fly in the middle of the day. I can't fly in wind. Hmm. I can't even fly if, if rain is threatening. Huh. It's, it's a fair weather uh, machine. So sometimes uh-huh. I've been stuck in the village, um, you know, just waiting for the weather to to permit me to, to take off. Um, I don't go more than 25-mile radius. Uh, so I'm actually close to home. But I can get to a lot mm-hmm. of villages in a That's in so a 25-mile-an-hour cool. uh, radius. I have had some uh, interesting experiences. Uh, uh, one time I was in uh, the wind more than I should have been, stronger wind than than I was used to. I did okay flying, but after I landed, I all of a sudden became very nauseous once I got stable mm-hmm. on the ground and just... I was nauseous the whole rest of the day. Mm. That's kind of embarrassing for a pilot to have (laughs) motion sickness. I've had an engine out. I had a complete engine out one time, and you're under a parachute, so there's no big danger. The parachute just brings you right down. So I landed in the grassland without any injuries to myself or the machine, even with a complete engine out. So it's really a wonderful machine for missions. And uh, it's wonderful for that area because 90% of the area is grassland. I wouldn't want to come down. I wouldn't want to have an engine out over the river or <laughs> over the forest, but over the grassland. Did you have to push it home? Actually, it was on takeoff, so uh, oh, I wasn't very far from home. Everybody knew that something was wrong because uh, all of a sudden the engine stopped and I was... And so the whole village came running and so they helped get it out of the grassland and to a trail and then to the village again. Wow. Uh, One of the things we want to ask is how can
0: uh, our listeners um, pray for you?
2: You know, Africa is in tremendous need of a spiritual revival. Africa's in need of Christian leaders there's so much opposition in Africa to to Jesus Christ, to the gospel. Uh, sorcery is just so such a powerful mm. force, and sorcery is such a divisive force. Uh, one reason that Central Africa doesn't move ahead uh, is because of sorcery and all the consequences that go along with sorcery. And so we're... Training pastors, we work at a, a university, and and I teach in the theology program, and so we're training leaders, uh, both pastors and lay people, to be leaders in the church who can have who can be shaped by God's word and not be shaped by the sorcery, the magic of the, of the day, uh, of the of the. Of the culture. Uh, and so you can be praying for our time with the Congolese that, that the gospel of Jesus Christ would really shape people's lives and that there'd be a, a new ethic, a, a new uh, a new way of living, uh, a Christian way of living that's preoccupied with with love and with grace and with compassion rather than the divisiveness that, that sorcery brings and, and the, the hate, that, the division that, that mm-hmm. sorcery brings. Um, people okay. need to be transformed by the love of Christ. And, and that's really what I pray for in, in all of our ministry in Congo, that by God's grace, he would use us to bring transformation uh, to the hearts of right. the Africans, because it's going to be a relationship with Jesus Christ that's going to bring change to Africa. And it's not going to be the, the belief in the magic or the sorcery.
3: And we're going to talk about that more in the next podcast. So
0: that's uh, season season four. The, the episode is Crisis mm-hmm. in the Congo. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Glenn. Uh, we'd like to talk, keep talking with you um, as we go forward here. Thank you. Now, where can, Ian, where can people pick up you know, season four? At BrinkmanAdventures.com. BrinkmanAdventures.com. So we'll end with that. Thank you again, Glenn. And... Uh, Aunt Sarah Aunt. and our engineer Josh, <laughs> and uh, thank you all for listening. And we'll be back with the next episode uh, in a little while.